Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin on the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute. And just down the road from the Wolf River Refuge, all three of those are ministries of Silver Ranch. And we just provide a, a space and a place for you to connect with God, get away from the busyness of everyday life. So that way um, you can change your pace and your place so you can challenge your perspective, as we've talked about quite a bit on this show. But I uh, hope you're enjoying the winter months. I know this winter so far has been an interesting start between uh, snow and rain and everything in between. And It is the only word. So I, I, I finally caught the seasonal cold, so I apologize in advance if I'm sneezing or something. But You probably have something far worse. Oh, probably. It's probably cooties. So I, and, haven't, and, I, I haven't come to the point of testing the fact that I have a cold. But. That, that's fine. <laughs> You know, it, what's interesting, this year, I go out and groom the trails for cross-country skiing. Yep. Well, I have to take a chainsaw every time because the trees are full of ice falling over the trails. Oh, yeah, I and believe And that's it. very unusual. I it, mean, normally I can go out there and just enjoy it and do it, but this time I'm in and out with this chainsaw trying to make sure the trails stay clean. So it's been that kind of year. We'd love to have a little bit more of just snow and that. Yeah, rain, we've had this, uh, I call it a teenage birch tree. Yeah. You know, it's not too young but it's not very old yet it's right in our backyard and this year man it's been doing the limbo yep you know it's like down it was touching the ground then it was mostly back up now it's halfway to back down to touch the ground i told my wife i'm like i don't know if that thing's gonna last <laughs> no you know what birch have a tremendous uh, flexibility though so i've noticed that the, the trouble is they'll stay bent over so yeah. you, you need if you want to save that in the spring you need to prop it back up and kind of hold it up there for a little bit till it stays straight again yeah Weird. Anyway, you know, I was thinking one of the problems. You again remind our listeners: Jason has three sons, three boys, yep. young young guys, and and we talk a lot about how we can train them to be young men the way that they were intended to be, that God wanted them to be. Yeah, and that's a challenge for any parent. So if you're listening out there, you have young children. It's a challenge for any parent to get to the point where they can say, "Here's the principles I need to teach, so my children at least have." The hope to be healthy as they get older. And uh, it's important that you, you teach the simple principles of life. For example, there, there is a God. Your kids aren't God. Right. Okay, so they need to know that. Mm-hmm. And, and once they know there is a God, then it's like, okay, who is he? Yeah. Now that's where you step in and you start reading the Bible. You start talking about God. And once you know who God is, and once they know who God is, now they can respond because they have an idea of who God is. Absolutely. So that's very important that somehow you do that, and that gets backed up at church. It should get backed up everywhere they go. And when they come home from school and they say they act godless, your answer shouldn't be condemning to the school. It should be they are godless. You know what I mean? Yep. That, that's why they don't get it. So if somebody came to um, you that are listening and said, uh, you, you know, um, something about Dave Wager, and you, you have heard me speak, but you don't know who I am. Right. If I walked in a room, you wouldn't even know what I look like. So it wouldn't be a surprise if I walked into a room, I didn't say anything, and you ignored me because you didn't think you didn't even know who I was. Mm-hmm. And that happens all the time. If I'm in the Fox Valley and I'm walking through a store and I'm just looking at something, you know, nobody pays attention to me. But if I start talking, there often are, is somebody that starts looking at me because of the voice. They recognize the voice. You have such a nice voice. Yeah, I know. It's it's recognizable that much, I know. <laughs> so, so in that case, though, see, t- people don't know who you are. Right. If people don't know God, they act like they don't know God. If people don't know me, they act like they don't know me. That's fine. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to get to our kids. Yeah. But one of the great questions that can be answered only by God is, who am I and why was I even created? Absolutely. And uh, we have to be careful because a lot of times we try and look to science or doctors or psychologists apart from the Bible to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I'm always skeptical. And I'm skeptical because I have a master's degree in education. I've taken courses on statistics and I see how we can twist things to be any way we want. And if you're godless and you're trying to prove a point, you could be in big trouble. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, Jason's kids, they're growing up in a world where I keep hearing, especially in the last couple of years, listen to the science. I'm trying to figure out what the science actually is. Yeah. Because science should actually give you answers and it should be not, you know, answers that are actually true. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we can trust that. Right. So let, let me give you an example. I was I was reading through some um, material from a book by Naomi Oreskes and Eric Conway called Merchant's Doubt. Merchant's Doubt. Merchant's Doubt. But I just want to read uh, it, something they said to you, said right in the book. They said, science should be something we can rely on to educate ourselves on various subjects. We trust that scientists do an extensive research and provide us with accurate results. Okay, so they're saying, you know, when when someone says follow the science, that's supposed to be meaningful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's how they start. Unfortunately, scientific truth can be obscured in a way that it's presented, demonstrating only what a small group of particular scientists or politicians want us to believe. This small group has conspired over a span of four decades, sowing seeds of doubt in the mind of public on every topic from tobacco used to relationship, to cancer, to global warming. So let me read you a little bit about what they said about the tobacco industry. Okay. Okay, just to to put this into context. The origin of merchandising doubt in science can be traced back to tobacco use. Here's what they say. The tobacco strategy was used to confuse American people about the dangers of tobacco use. Scientists learned the risks of smoking and its cancer-causing properties long before these facts were presented to the public. The health risks of smoking had been known to the tobacco industry and to science since 1950s. In 1953, a lab test performed on mice by researchers at Sloan Kettering Institute showed conclusively that cigarette tar painted on the skin caused cancer. The media soon publicized the results of lab tests, leading the tobacco industry to frantically find a way to combat this negative publicity and sow the seeds of doubt about science behind it. By the late 1950s, the tobacco industry began to fund research to find other links to cancer that were not tobacco-related. They even sought out C.C. Little, a geneticist, uh, works with genes, a geneticist, probably pronounced that wrong, who had been the supporter of eugenics. His belief was that cancer was genetic weakness, therefore smoking did not cause cancer. So they found a doctor that said, you know what, here's what I think, and they started to use him as their main doctor. Their main doctor. His belief was that cancer was genetic weakness, therefore smoking did not cause cancer. With the help of Dr. Little, the industry was able to enlist the help of other doctors and public health authorities to challenge the dangers of smoking. The tobacco industry invited the National Cancer Institute and the American Heart Association to board meetings to make it appear that they were concerned about public health. Now, 
What's interesting here is now you see an industry that, that was in danger because the science was actually saying there could be a problem with it. So they found other people in, quote, science to say what they wanted. And then they started playing the game of politics. And you'll see how that comes in here. The tobacco, the tobacco industry uh, soon enlisted the help of renowned scientist Dr. Frederick Seitz. Not only was Seitz a solid-state physicist, but he also worked on the Manhattan Project to build an atomic bomb. He embodied the credentials the industry was looking for to peddle doubt to the American people. The use of media and the fairness doctrine, now that's where the politics comes in, mm -hmm. using the media, and they set this fairness doctrine, were instrumental in creating doubt. The fairness doctrine was a rule instated by Federal Communication Commission to ensure the media equally covered both sides of a controversial public issues. If the harms of tobacco were portrayed in the media, then according to the fairness doctrine, the safety of tobacco should be portrayed as well. So now they took the law that the politicians made, and they basically are trying to use it to say smoking is good for you. Mm -hmm. Now, Seitz felt that the attacks on the tobacco industry were unfounded. Like Little, he believed disease to be linked to a genetic deficiency. Seitz recruited other scientists and medical experts who would co collaborate his belief. These scientists emphasized that there was always room for doubt. No one could say with complete certainty that someone's cancer resulted directly from smoking and not from other outside factors or genetic predisposition. Over the years, the tobacco industry would win many of the lawsuits brought against it. Despite the use of warning labels and medical advice, the American people still believed that the harmful effects of smoking were subject to scrutiny. It wasn't until 2006 that the tobacco industry was found guilty of fraud. So it took from 1950 to 2006 wow. for the truth to get out. Because of the way the statistics and because it benefited somebody. Right, right. Now, now we look back at that and we go, now how could anyone, just logically, just skip all the science. How could anybody think that taking clean air that God gave us, polluting it, putting it in your lungs, and blowing it back out was better for you than the clean air? Right, and then adding all these other stuff to it. You know? Yeah, so I mean, when you look at it, you go, okay, this makes no sense. But, but here's how we work in our minds. We look for research and people that will back what we already believe. Mm. Yeah. So if we like smoking, we look for people that will back the idea that smoking is good it's for okay. you. okay, right. You know, I mean, I have a friend who, who uh, has smoked all his life. He's older than I am, and he's still smoking. I, and he and I have talked about, we thought he would fall over dead from cancer about 10 years ago, you know, yeah. at least. But he's still here. And at least he knows the dangers, and he says, you know, I'm choosing to do it anyway. So, okay, well, that's your problem, I guess. But he keeps pointing to anybody who smokes that that's older than he is. He doesn't, he doesn't point to all the people that have died from lung cancer or the way their lives have been affected by lung. He doesn't point to them. He points to the ones that are still alive yeah. that are still smoking. Yeah, out yeah. of the 10,000 that died from lung cancer, look at this one guy over here that didn't. Yeah. And that's what he wants to base his life on. So it's like, okay, that's fine. You can look at him, and maybe you'll be that guy. Yep. But there's a majority of people who aren't that guy. So now you have sons growing up in this environment where mm. – I think, frankly, it's really difficult to figure out where truth is. Yeah. If somebody says science says this, that's really hard to figure out. 
whether right. the science is right or not, and especially somebody who's really young. Yeah. Because people will throw scientists around and names around and, you know, here's what this person says and make them feel dumb. But in reality, the educated person is going, there's there's all this kind of politicking and money making and things going on behind the scenes. That So how do we teach your kids that? Yeah. You know, and I think we rely on this in our culture even without realizing it. Yep. I mean, we've joked about it before. You know, we talk about they, them, rocket scientists. But if you think about it, just pay attention to your conversations, and I guarantee you within a week, you or somebody else will make a reference to, well, I hear they say that, you know, if you go outside when it's cold on and you don't wear a coat, you'll get a cold. Yep. Well, who's they, and, and you know, and where did that come from? You know, and I think, like you said, Dave, we're, we're groomed in a way that we accept things that support what we want to believe without necessarily doing the research behind it. Yeah. So what, what we believe becomes how we prove things, not facts. Right. Or like you said, you want to justify your actions, you know? And so there might be something that, that maybe even in our own lives, the Holy Spirit is trying to chip away at. And rather than facing it blunt on, it's like, well, you know, so-and-so does this and so-and-so does it and they're totally fine. So I'm totally fine. Especially if it's like a gray area thing, right? you know, where, it's something that's not one way or the other. It's like, well, I can have another donut because Dave talked about how when he was in college, he ate, you know, a dozen yeah. donuts in a yeah, time. No, and he's still you, alive. The context you know? of that is different. <laughs> but I mean, that's what we do. Right. Um, and, and I think the same comes as, as we talk about the broader discussion about who we are and who God has created us to be, especially in a culture where we're moving away from truth. Right. You know, and, and even science. You mentioned science. It's like science people aren't even basing on fact anymore. Right. I mean, if we're looking at facts, you know, a guy is a guy and a girl is a girl. Right. That's the facts. Right. That's science. Right. But we've moved away from that. Why? Yep. Because we want to believe what we want to believe regardless of the truth. Yeah. And that's dangerous. You know, I wonder if uh, raising three young boys like you are, if one of the most important things you could do is just constantly reaffirm the fact that there's truth out there and you can know it yeah and you can know it and yeah. and there are some things that you can't know mm-hmm. um i i used to call this and i still do the burden of proof so if you came to me and said you know um uh, all the roads are in bad shape i'd go how do you know that yeah in other words you made a statement i'm not letting you get away with it i want to give you back the burden of proof yep prove to me that what you said is true now again that's i i used that this morning because it the roads are probably bad this morning. They are. I yeah, no I drove idea. my boys to school. So <laughs> so I could ask you, and the only way that you can really tell me is the roads between Silver Birch Ranch and the White Lake School. That you can That I can you can be authoritative on. Yep. But even then I would say, Do you know if the salt trucks are out on it yet? No clue. So you have no idea right now what shape they're in. Yep. That's how we have to leave it. What I did was throw the burden of proof back at you. Yeah. And not allow you to stay, say, like if you just came and said, oh, the roads are terrible and you shouldn't go out. Okay, I'm going to throw the burden of proof card. Yeah. You know, and maybe you need to make a burden of proof card at home and just have it somewhere. Yeah. And throw it down. So your kids come home and say, you know, everybody says this. Boom. Mm-hmm. How many people? Right. Who are they? I want their names. Burden of proof cards on the table. Well, and where did they get the information? Yeah. So, I, I mean... What's interesting about that is it stops kind of generalizations and it stops exaggerations 
Right. Because now you're you're a, anyone that says anything is going to get that burden of proof card. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I just want you to back what you say. And I want you to learn that people say things all the time that aren't backed up. Yeah. And and so burden of proof is right here. Oh, totally. And then he, if you even think of that in a bigger context, like take that same concept and apply it to everything you read online and on social media. Yeah. Just because you see something pop up in your news feed doesn't mean it's truth. Yeah. Do you realize that most things that pop up in your newsfeed pop up in your newsfeed for a reason? Yep. And if you if you haven't come to the fact that that they tailor it just to you yet, just observe more. Not only that, but, you know, life and perspective bring so much. Uh, recently, there was an NFL player who had a heart attack in the middle of a game. Yeah, cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest. Okay, whatever the difference is there. But but what I was, you know, now here's perspective. Yeah. Here, here's Here's my thought on it. I didn't see the game. I wasn't watching it. Yeah. But I saw the replay, and I really felt sorry for the guy and his family, and, and, and I prayed for him. You know, I said, God, you know, bring him to yourself if he's not your child, if he is. Yeah. You know, and, uh, boy, it's a, it's a tough thing. You're on national television. You're a football player. You're young. It's very tough. But I tell you, they had some really good help there. Oh, yeah. When he had, when he had the cardiac arrest, they were able to do CPR on him. They were able to do what they needed to do. Now the reason I'm I'm somewhat different in my thought process is my dad had a heart attack too at work. Yeah. And nobody was there to give him CPR. Right. So my first thought was, boy, he's fortunate he had it there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that was and you think your first thought was he was fortunate? Hmm. Well, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying he had it in a stadium where there are doctors and ambulances and equipment so that immediately they could adjust and go to him and help him. Yeah. My dad also was at work. He was at his church office. He was 60 years old. He walked through a door, had a heart, had a heart attack, and fell over and died. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was nobody there to do anything. They had to wait for the ambulance. Mm-hmm. So when you look at perspective, one of the things we have to admit in life is there, are, there is perspective in life in almost every area of life. You know, so we, we look at it and say, okay, here's the perspective. That's not necessarily, those perspective things aren't right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But then one of the fun things for me is to go to the idea of God with that and say, again, as we've said so often, he doesn't have a perspective. When he sees things, he sees them absolutely the way they are. When he creates things, he creates them the way they should be, mm-hmm. not the way that they could develop into necessarily. Yeah. Now, you and I are developing into something, but God created us to be that way. Yep. And so we'll never be fulfilled until we get there, whatever that is. And that's what we need to teach the kids is, you know, what I do in life, what scientists do is try and discover what is there. Yeah. Well, God already knows what's there. Mm -hmm. So a scientist is trying to discover it. And if a scientist is worth their salt, they, they do it in a way where they're saying, I have no preconceived idea. I'm just going to let the facts take me wherever they take me. Mm-hmm. That's true science. Yeah. So when we heard about science with the, the vaccine, when we heard about well, science with smoking, we, I don't know that anybody can tell us what for sure anyone was really discovering. I did talk to one guy that I thought who worked on, you know, kind of medications and that kind of thing, 
who seem to be just by you know non-biased. Like, here's what I found. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to even share that with our listeners. But it, the bottom line really is, it's hard to find somebody who's done that kind of discovery work. Even in the Bible, people will go to the Bible to try and prove what they feel, right? Rather than discover what's there, and that's why a burden of proof is so so important. Uh, even uh, when you talk to young people today, they're trying to tell us that that God would approve of like homosexual marriages. Hmm. And you look at it and go, really? Where do you get that from? Right. Well, God's a God of love. I agree. But where do you get this this part from? And, hmm. and you force them to go back to the Bible to show you where they get that from. Now, if you want to go back to the Bible and twist God's word and change them and make them what you want them to be, mm-hmm. okay, then you're not actually reading the scriptures to discover God or his plan. Yeah. You know, somehow your boys need to understand that God created them as boys. Yeah. And he actually created them to be in your family. And he actually created them to be raised by you and your wife. And they have the right personalities for it. And you have the right personalities for it. And you look at it and you go, this is a great plan. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you look for what the plan is and you search the scriptures and find out here's the characteristics we need to instill in our children. And then you start working at trying to figure out how can we do that? Yeah. So basically we're trying to figure out before they get too old, they need to answer the question, who am I? Yeah. And when I was a kid and people said that the world struggled with that, I would always shout out, I'm Dave. Mm-hmm. And I would go on my, I, I didn't care. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things like, oh, yeah. Spend your time on a question I don't even understand. You ask me who I am, I'm Dave. And if you wanted to deep, deep, deeper, even as a kid, I would go, I'm Rich and Joyce's son. Mm-hmm. I'm Rick's brother. <laughs> you know, I mean, what else do you want from me? Right. That's who I am. So, in a way, I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, today, if you ask somebody who they are, you get this weird look sometimes mm-hmm. like well i think i'm what do you mean you think you were born to certain people mm-hmm. if you're a believer in jesus christ you're a child of the king and god gives you characteristics absolutely so the question obviously is how do we get your kids to focus on those things rather than what they hear all the time in news and media and that kind of thing yeah so how do we do that do you think you know, I, I think it, it starts with what we've been talking about, setting up a framework of, of truth and understanding, saying, hey, here's the truth and here's why it's true is because it can be backed up. You know, the thing that came to mind is you kept talking about the burden of proof. It reminded me of Lee Strobel. Yeah. You know, and how he came to faith. You know, he set out to prove Christianity wrong. And after he followed the facts, he became a believer. Right. You know, and I think the same is as we ask the question of who we are, we have to look at, at the facts and the things that don't change. And so then it's going back to scripture. It's saying, all right, God created me. Okay, what does that mean? You know, and then to know that God has chosen me. Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm not here by accident. Right. You know, I'm not here. I'm not a mistake. Right. You know, even though my parents just had a one night fling, I'm still not a mistake. Yeah. And and the idea of abortion, which goes into each of our heads. Like, oh, I could have just been killed. Right. And it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, I mean, you read a a passage of scripture, you know, he knit me together in my mother's room. It's like, man, God knows us intimately, 
before we even realize that he knows us intimately. And he wants us to be in relationship with him. And so the first thing is coming to the terms with understanding who God is and that God loves us. He created us and he wants to be in relationship with us. That's where it has to start. If, if you're questioning who you are, you have to start with your relationship with God. That has to be the foundation. Absolutely. You know, when I, when I talk to young people, especially, most people don't understand that their brain works logically. Hmm. So if you're in school today and you have a teacher keep telling you that there, there was no creator, that everything was an accidental blob of protoplasm, that you're an accidental blob of protoplasm, your brain picks that up. Yeah. And now you act like an accidental blob of protoplasm. So that's one of Satan's oldest tactics. Right. And yet it is one of the most illogical things that was ever peddled here on the planet. Right. And the, and the, and the thing to remember about that is, is Satan thrives on, on mistruths. Right. And what I mean by mistruths, you even go back to the garden, you know, and he's like, did God really say to Eve when she started questioning about eating the fruit off the tree? You know, it was just enough where it sounded like truth, but it wasn't. Yep. And that's what Satan loves to do. And, and we see that all over our, our culture. You know, there's something that's like, oh, that, that has to be right yeah. because it feels good. Well, you teach a kid respect. So, so your kids, if, if there's a teacher teaching, you want them to be respectful to the teacher. Yeah, yep. But what if they disagree? How do they become respectful to the teacher? I mean, that's something you got to talk about. Absolutely. And I think, I think a lot of it, like you said, it, 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 it's reversing the burden of proof. Right. And that's where you ask questions. Right. You know, I think questions are a great opportunity to do it respectfully. You know, it could be like, Dave, you know what? You, you said that, you know, we can know who we are. Well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And not only that, if you disagree with somebody who's in authority, go to someone like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look how they treated the king. Yeah. The king was absolutely wrong. The king was going to kill them. But you look at their dialogue, and it was always respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never, ever moved from truth, but they always remained respectful. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something that I would talk to my boys about if they were your age. Yeah. So when the teacher says something, let's practice. I want you to be respectful. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you have to. Being respectful doesn't mean that you agree with the teacher. Right. In fact, probably in our culture, do a, and we could talk about this more in the next segment, but probably in our culture, it would be really wise to teach young people how to how respectfully to disagree. Because yeah, they don't yeah. see that anymore. You no. look at our politics, and it's like, what? Respect? Yeah. You know, you don't see respectful disagreement much anymore. No, and we need to. That when, You know, you get a couple of guys together that have been slinging a chainsaw for 40 years. They're going to cut the tree down a little differently. Yeah. It's not okay to argue about it. Mm-hmm. It's 40 years behind. Just cut the tree down. Right. And clap when it goes the right direction for both of them. You know what I mean? It's like, however you did that, yeah. Whatever you learn. Now, you may be able to learn from somebody else something, but to respectfully mm-hmm. disagree on something. Yeah. And and in some areas, there are more than one way to do things. So anyway, I, we'll go on with this in the next segment. So I Yeah, I think we're just to starting to in. touch the iceberg. And so I encourage you to, to stay connected to this conversation. If you missed part of it or you want to keep listening, I encourage you to head over to org and you can... Um, 
continue to to subscribe to this podcast and listen to it and, and just continue to join our discussion because we talk a lot and it's a lot of it's just ongoing discussion and as we started talking about you know truth in this episode and, and, and answering the question of who we are in a culture where there's so many stimuluses and 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 things vouching for our attention. I think it's important to know truth and to know how to apply that truth to our life. But for now, we're out of time. So until next time, this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.